0: For those of you uh, older kids that are staying, we're going to be looking at the Gospel of Matthew in just a minute. So if you want to open a Bible to the first book of the New Testament, we'll be looking at Matthew chapter 3 in just a moment. He is a faithful God. He is not only faithful to Himself and to all of His promises and to all of His ways, but He is faithful to us who can be such a faithless type of people. Uh, I think God wants to say something to us today. Let's pray to that end. Would you bow with me? Father, would you give us ears to hear, a mind to comprehend, and a heart that is responsive? In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, I almost know I don't need to ask this question, but uh, can you remember where you were and what you were doing on September 11, 2001, uh, when you first began to hear about the planes that had uh, crashed into the World Trade Center and uh, the catastrophic loss of life that began to happen? You, You remember how you felt through all of that, how confusing and strange and perplexing and and grievous and disturbing and you began to watch your television and you saw people fleeing from these collapsing buildings and they were covered in ash and glass and blood and uh, some that couldn't get out of buildings were leaping out of buildings and then all of this uh... erected steel began to just crumble and fall to the ground we found out later that uh, terrorists had overtaken uh, airliners and had uh, uh, flown them on purpose into the World Trade Center. And another plane had also been uh, seized by terrorists and had been crashed into our Pentagon. And um, about 200 lives were lost there. About th- over 300, over 3,000 uh, in the day were lost because of those terrorist attempts. Um, It was a time of bad news. It was very uh, uh, disturbing in the sense that, you know, some of us were kind of walking around in a cloud not knowing what to make of it, how to respond, how to feel, what to think. As bad as that was, it could have been a whole lot worse because we also know about Flight 93 that had uh, been seized by terrorists and apparently was on its way to Washington, D.C., uh, with the apparent target being the U.S. Capitol, uh, some passengers, though, beginning to get drift of all that was unfolding, uh, overcame the terrorists. The plane crashed somewhere in Pennsylvania, about 150 miles from our capital. Uh, all of those died in that crash. But it could have been a lot worse. There could have been hundreds, if not thousands, of more deaths. We could have lost uh, a good bit of the leadership of our country, not to mention... Uh, if not the primary, a very primary symbol of our nation and who we are, the U.S. Capitol. If you kind of get all of that and you sense and feel all of that right now, you begin to understand what was going on in around A.D. 70. For in that time in Israel... They had been attacked and they began to do a uh, battle with the Roman army, a formidable force in its day. And the Roman army not only came in and began to level a lot of different buildings and destroy a bunch of farms and crops and the economy, the World Trade Center, if you will, and not only began to overwhelm the defense of Israel, but they absolutely leveled and destroyed the temple. The temple could be compared in terms of importance, in terms of uh, not only religious significance, but national significance, something like our U.S. Capitol. And it was leveled. And it, it was this darling of a um, uh, edifice uh, of a construct in its day. It was considered to be a wonder in the world. Uh, it was so beautifully adorned and so richly uh, Vested with jewels and gold and silver. In fact, the ancient historian Josephus said that there was so much gold removed from the temple when the Romans destroyed it in 70 AD. There was so much gold removed that throughout Syria there was a gold glut and gold became worth half its value. There was so much gold now out in the marketplace. It's in that kind of day, it's in that kind of context that a guy by the name of Matthew lives. Now, a lot of you should be familiar with that name. He was one of the uh, twelve disciples of Jesus. Originally, he had been a tax collector and a despised person in the Jewish community. Uh, but in following Christ, he had, had this you know, tremendous transformation take place in his life. And uh, 70 A.D. is about 40 years after the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. And so he had been a Christ follower for some 40 years. He had been committed to the ministry of Christ and the church of Christ and, and making a difference in the world for Christ for some 40 years. And when all of this catastrophe takes place in Israel and in the city of Jerusalem... In seventy AD, it's it's a very bad news time. And Matthew, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, determines to bring good news into a bad news world. And that is why we are going to spend several weeks Reading, studying, reflecting, meditating, unpacking what Matthew wrote. Because uh, we live in kind of bad news days. We are surrounded by a lot of bad news. It's been in recent months that we've had uh, some lose 40% of their retirement investment. Millions have lost at least 30% of their home values. Millions have lost their jobs. Families are under tremendous pressure these days and, and many of them are crumbling under the pressure of disintegrating. We don't know what's going to happen with health care. We don't know when the next terrorist attempt might be successful. And we make no mistake that terrorist plots are in the making. And so in this day of pretty significant bad news all around us, we are going to open the pages of Matthew's Gospel, and like a miner going after gold, we are going to be pulling out all the nuggets of good news that we can over these next few weeks. You need some good news? You know anybody that needs some good news? And so I think we're in for a great adventure together. And as I said, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 3. And it just occurs to me, I didn't bring my glasses. Okay. Somebody on the front row want to hold that for me. So Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the desert, Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. Kind of interesting to make a fashion statement in the middle of all this. And um, his food was locust and wild honey. Dietary comments. Strange. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood, you offspring of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in His hand, and He will clear His threshing floor, gathering His wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. So let's uh, talk about this for a few minutes. And like I said, we're miners, right? So we're going to go mining For gold, We're going to go mining for good news. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Here's what I want to challenge you to do. Will you take that connection card that I've already identified for you today, and on the back side where you can put prayer requests and things like that, there's a good bit of space, and I want you to pray this prayer. God, what good news do you especially want me to hear or to get today? Now, that good news may come from something that I say. It may come from something we pull out of the Scriptures. It may come just from your prayers right now where God brings some thoughts to your mind and you recognize. That's good news. And I'm going to ask you to jot down on that connection card a bit of good news that God has brought to you in these next 15 minutes or so. Okay? Is that a deal? This is going to be helpful to you. This isn't for me, this is for you. So if you'll do that, I think it'll be a blessing to you. Let's uh, begin to dig into it. Who is John? Well, I think most of you uh, have done enough reading in the scriptures to make the connection that John was a cousin to Jesus. And you'll remember that when Mary became pregnant and she had learned that her cousin Elizabeth, who was uh, an elderly woman, also had become pregnant, she went and made a visit. And her cousin Elizabeth was carrying John, and Mary was, of course, carrying Jesus. And as they began to spend time together, the children within them began to kind of be agitated and excited in one another's presence. And so that's where it all begins, even before birth, that John and Jesus have this um, unique bond and this unique connection. Now, Isaiah the prophet, 700 years before Jesus was born had uh, been given uh, a clue from God that God was going to be sending kind of a forerunner to Jesus, a herald, if you will, that would announce Jesus is coming, that would prepare the way for Jesus and his ministry to come. I remember a few years ago, I was uh, chairing a team in this area with a number of other church leaders, and we were going to put on a conference, and we had finally secured the keynote speaker that we wanted to get for this conference. And uh, right after we secured the keynote speaker, we had a hundred details that we had to pay attention to. You know, selecting the venue, and once we got the venue, we had to take care of all kinds of uh, details within that venue. And then we had all kinds of publicity and marketing things to do to bring people to the conference, et cetera, et cetera. That's kind of John. He is the advanced guy. He is sizing up what's going on in the region that Jesus is about to come to. And he is trying to do everything he can to make for the best experience of people that are going to encounter Jesus when he comes. And by the way, Jesus comes next week. And so don't miss that. Be with us, all right? Uh, So he is the advanced man, if you will. And uh, uh, John is kind of a unique A little bit unusual, different kind of fellow. That's why Matthew saw fit to give us a little fashion commentary and and dietary commentary. Uh, Because of the way that he dressed and the way that he ate, uh, most scholars assume that John was a Nazarite. Or that is to say, had taken a Nazarite vow. Now that simply means, uh, to be short about it, that he was a very serious guy about God. And he was very dedicated and committed to studying the word of God, the way of God, and carrying out the will of God. And he'd taken vows to that extent. Uh, It's also believed by many scholars that John, along with a lot of other very dedicated people, had just kind of come to a point of being fed up with Jerusalem and all of the spiritual compromise that had gone on in that place and had withdrawn from there. Gone south uh, close to where the Dead Sea is and uh, were part of an Essene community. And these were people that were all very serious about God, very dedicated about the things of God. And uh, it's also the area where the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered in 1947, which became this huge archaeological find of ancient texts of the scriptures. And that's another whole story. 900 texts were found in that uh, archaeological dig. Anyway. Back to John. So uh, God had been doing something very important in John for a long time. And now it's, it's time for John to do what God had called John to do, and that is prepare the way for Jesus to come. Now, where is John? He apparently has come back north from the Dead Sea to the area of Jerusalem. And now he has gone out from the city into a little wilderness area alongside the Jordan River. And you're looking at a photograph of the Jordan River, approximately where most scholars believe Jesus was baptized. And we'll get into that next week. But the point being is that the city had become so compromised with respect to the values and the virtues of God. Even the temple and the religious leadership had become so compromised that John took his mission out of the city, out of the religious center, if you will, and he went out, kind of on the backside of nowhere, out into the wilderness. And there he began to preach a message of repentance and get yourself ready for the coming of the Christ, for the coming of the Messiah. Now, what is John doing out there? Uh, as I said, he's preaching, and his message is, repent, turn away from the, uh, the ways that you have been conducting life, turn away from doing life without God, and turn toward God. Turn toward the coming of the Christ and begin to do life with God. So he's, he's giving this message and he's preaching, but he's also baptizing. And so we're told that uh, thousands of people began to come out to where he was in the Jordan River and they would hear his message. Their heart would be convicted by God's Spirit, not by the persuasiveness of John's speech. And they would repent. They would turn from doing life without God or just being semi-religious or whatever they're doing and become wholehearted about the person of God and the coming of Christ. And to mark that Repentance and that decision and that life change to mark it, they would be baptized. And they would step into the Jordan River and he would immerse them as a way of identifying them with God and the coming of Christ. Now notice, uh, this identification was a different kind of identification for good Jews. Because to that point, the primary identifying mark, if you will, that you are going to be a God follower and that you're going to be in covenant with God is that the male members of the Jewish community would be circumcised. And that would, of course, happen when they were a, a baby, eight days old. And thus, when some religious leaders came out, you'll recall that John made a statement about, uh, don't be telling me that you're sons of Abraham. That doesn't mean anything to me. God can speak to these stones and make sons of Abraham. So just because you have been religious, just because your parents took you through a childhood ritual, don't think that squares you up with God. Repent. Have a turn and a change right now and mark that right now with baptism. Now, I say all that to say this God's continuing. To do that kind of good thing for us today. The sending of John was a means by which God pursued people. All those people that came out to hear John, it looks like they're seekers. They, They want to find out more about God. They want to find out about the coming of Christ. They want to hear the preaching of John. What we understand is that that was a second step of progression. The first step was God. The first step was God uh, planning and determining and destining John would live this kind of way. He saw to it that John would be born in a miraculous fashion. And John is there for this ministry. And God's Spirit is stirring the hearts of people to come here John's message. They're on the backside of nowhere. You wouldn't go out there unless there was an unusual stirring going on inside of you. And friends, God does that very same thing today. If you have any interest in God, if you have any questions about God, any yearning to know more about him or to have some kind of closeness to him or some kind of connection to be established between the two of you, the scriptures make it clear that is God stirring that inside of you. It's good news. And not only that, God has a history of sending strategic people to us at strategic times when he's stirring us. John was unusually credible to the thousands of people that came out to hear him speak. He was not the religious establishment. He was not seen like Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and priests who were dubious and double-minded and hypocritical and about themselves and ruling over people, although they were very moral. They were screwed up with God. And so John, in this tremendous distinction to all that, has great credibility because of the way that he's lived his life and conducted his life and his seriousness about the faith, etc. And so These people are having a stirring. They're being responsive to the stirring. They go out to see and hear John. John has great credibility with them. The Holy Spirit ignites something in them. And they begin to repent and turn toward God and mark it by being baptized. Now, I'm just curious. I'm one of those people that God pursued and did so kind of outside the church. I had not been raised in church. Uh, I occasionally dropped in on a church service because where I grew up, that was kind of the cultural thing that you did. Uh, But it was more of a social thing for me. Some of my friends went to church, and so I went to church. But on one occasion, God used a couple of friends of mine off the basketball team. And basketball was my life at that point. And so these couple of friends had credibility with me. But they were also Christ followers. And they came and they began to talk to me about Christ and what Christ could mean to me and how Christ could be in my life. And not only that, God sent a third person who just happened to be a high school basketball referee. And so in my little world... People that I knew and had some recognition of and they had some credibility with me. He used those people to come to my life and talk to me about Christ. And when they began to talk to me about Christ, something stirred in me. I I began to understand later that it was God's Spirit stirring in me. And I wanted to be a Christ follower. And I prayed and I repented and I turned and I accepted Christ. And I marked that whole experience by being baptized so let me just do a quick survey how many of you would say uh and, and for a lot of us it's a combination of factors but how many of you would say i primarily had god pursue me and con- communicate and connect with my heart outside of church or the religious community how many of you would say that Okay. Several. How many of you would say, for me, that kind of primarily happened within church life. I kind of grew up in that and God used that to... How many of you would say, okay, a few more. And I'm glad the church was more of a positive thing for you. So how many of you would say um, the kind of strategic person, credible person... That God used in my life to talk to me about faith and 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 used to stir faith in me, and so on, was a parent. How many? Okay. How many? Uh, another family member. Okay. How many? Uh, a friend. Wow. Okay. How many? A work colleague, and maybe that's a friend also, but okay. Um, how many? Like a teacher or a coach, something like that. Okay. Great. How many would say somebody else? I hadn't even mentioned your category. Okay, can you just kind of tell us who that would be? Just call it out to me. Preacher. Use the preacher. Oh. <laughs> I wish you would do that with me. Okay. <laughs> who, are you, who are you going to say? A random, a random acquaintance. How about that? How about, anybody else have a different person? Yeah, interesting. So that's good news. How God pursues us, loves us, cares about us, puts strategic people in our lives, stirs us, all that kind of stuff. But friends, there's also bad news. In fact, that's the only way you can have good news. (laughs) Right? Somebody says, you're healthy. Well, that's not good news unless you can be sick. If nobody could ever be sick, being healthy is not particularly good news. It's just what is. And there is bad news. So when uh, some of these religious leaders learn of the following that John is beginning to have, and and, uh, one commentator said John baptized something over 200,000 people, imagine that. You know, he kind of became Aquaman, I guess, at that point. He's in the water for so much. Over 200,000 people. And so if that happened in your religious community, you'd be out there checking out this guy, right? And so these religious leaders began to come out and they began to hear what he was saying. They began to see how the people were responding to him. They began to see how it was taking people away from their own influence, their own power, their own agenda. And so some of them somehow ventured their way down to the waterfront and presented themselves for baptism. And John did not respond um, gently, you brood, you children of vipers, so that was to say, it's not just that you guys are a bunch of snakes and are missing out on what God, this has been happening from generation to generation, children of vipers, who warned you to flee the judgment of God? Don't come out here without repentance, without the fruit of repentance. That's not just moralistic good behavior, but that's a change in character. That's a change in heart. That's a change in connection and and care for God and connection and care for people. And so many other nuances that we could talk about. He said, don't even think about coming out here unless there is repentance that has a fruit, a change that's coming with how you're repenting. But make no mistake. That tree where there should be fruit is already having an axe laid to it. God is going to judge. God is going to have a day of accountability where he's going to square the records and justice will prevail. He used another image. He said uh, that the the Lord, the Master, is in the threshing floor and his winnowing fork is separating the wheat from the chaff. The chaff, of course, is discarded and burned up. The chaff, the wheat, is the life-giving bread. He goes, that stuff's happening. So there is bad news. But there's a ton of good news. And I've only hinted explicitly about two or three of them. You've been hearing it? You've been mining it? The nuggets been popping out for you? Anybody jot a piece of good news down? So I'm I'm going to ask you to help me here. I have two or three pieces of good news I'm going to share with you in a moment. But I want to see what you got. Anybody be willing to say, here's the good news that I felt like God just brought to my own thoughts and my own heart. Anybody? What would you say, John? God pursues us. God pursues us. That is such good news. Amen. Yes, ma'am. Uh, the baptism was an outward sign of an inward grace and bring unity with God. All right. That's good news to you about how baptism is a marker of your life in that way. Okay, good. Thank you. Somebody else, you say I got some good news? Yes, ma'am. He brings people to us. He brings strategic people to us. I love that. The kingdom, of heaven is at hand. the kingdom of heaven is at hand, is what John said. In other words, it's right here. Jesus is right here. The presence of God is right here with us right now. And he's the one that brings conviction. And he he's the one that brings the conviction. I don't have to kind of work that all up. He's just yeah. doing it, and I need to respond to it. Somebody else have some good news that you've been hearing? Yes, ma'am. God uses us in marriage to transform each other. God uses us in that whole transformation of each other. Amen. Yes, ma'am. He's still in the business of taking and being like he did in the old times, bringing it even in the present Okay, still making all the eternal truths applicable and relevant to today. Thank you. So let me just i mean, you've already covered pretty much everything I was going to say. You guys are good. So God pursues us. That is good news, friends. We, we are lost, and, when, and most of the time we don't even know we're lost. And He's after us. He's looking for us. He longs for us. And secondly, God sends people who are credible to us to help us to connect with him. Maybe you're going, well, I don't know that I've had that credible person in my life yet. Well, they may just be in this room with you right now. And today may just be a time and a context in which a very important conversation can happen for you. Another piece of good news that I wanted to highlight is that God gives us defining moments to become markers in our life, in the life journey. We could talk about a lot of those markers, but a primary marker is baptism. And by the way, we're having baptism next Sunday right here. And I wonder have you marked the repentance in your life and the following of Christ? Have you marked that with baptism? Have you identified yourself with Christ and said, I'm one of His, I'm a follower, I'm a Jesus person. If that's where you are and you haven't marked that with baptism, then take that connection card. Check that blank and say, I want to be baptized next week. And I'll follow up with you and we'll make sure that you're ready for that. Okay? So that's good news. He gives us these defining moments that helps bring clarity to us and helps us make sense of some steps that we've taken with him. And then the fourth thing I'll say is you can have Jesus in your life right now, as we were just saying. It's at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is present right now. Jesus' arms are open to relationship with you right now. Not let me go and clear this up and clean up my act and make sure I can do Right now. that is incredibly good news. And then I'll say in the fifth place, You are the credible person to someone. And that's good news. Somebody in our bad news world and in our bad news day desperately needs some good news. And you are the credible person to someone to share and to speak some good news. So I'm going to ask you to do something about that. The piece, the bit of good news that you wrote down or that you just articulated that's come to your mind. Would you believe that God will strategically have someone around your life this week that needs to hear the good news you got today? Would you believe that? Because that's the truth. He will not waste this hour There are people that God already knows who they are, what's going on in their life, the kind of good news they need to hear. He saw to it that in this hour, you would specifically get that bit of good news. And when you leave here and you go into your world this week, you are the credible person that can share in a sentence or two or paragraph how verbose you are. Some good news. And so I wonder if you will. So here's some closing questions for us. If you haven't, will you repent and turn to Christ? I'm not talking about will you be more religious? Will you be moral? Will you be a good person? Uh, Will you read your Bible more? I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about will will you stop doing life without God? And turn and say, I will do life only with God. No more doing it without. I'm going to do it with. Will you repent? And turn to Him. And have a relationship with Him. That is experienced every day. Now, there's a little blank on that connection card that says, I'd like to have a personal relationship with Jesus. If that's where you are, I'd encourage you to check that and let me follow up with you about that. But the second question I have for you is, if you've had that kind of turn, will you identify with him by being baptized? We're going to have a great celebration right here in this room next week. And you could be right at the heart of that with your own baptism if you've not taken that step yet. Will you do that? Again, on the same card, there's a little blank that says, I want to be baptized. Check it. I'll follow up with you. And then the last question. Will you tell one bit of good news to one person this week? Will you do that? Now, I've got more good news for you. Because I know that as we have come into this room today, we live in a bad news world. And bad news stuff is all around us. Some of that bad news stuff is happening to us. And God knows how you came in the room today. He knows what your needs are. He wants to bless you. I don't mean he wants to take all of your hard situations and go, poof, it's gone. He may do that with some, but for others, he's going to give us grace to engage and deal with the hard stuff well. And that process will change us and make us more like Christ. So here's the, the other word of good news I want to give you. God has already led us to provide some intercessors for you today. In fact, I'm going to ask them to go to their place right now. We have some praying people that are going to be in the back of the room from now until we have the last note of the service. And at any point over these next few minutes, you feel the need for prayer. You want to have a prayer for a problem. You want to have a prayer for some courage that you can take some steps you've been needing to take. You want to have a prayer for some guidance and some direction. You want to have a prayer for whatever. These guys are in the back just there for you to pray for you they'll just hear you for a moment what you need prayer for and then they'll pray for you and then you can go right back to your seat so anytime between now and the end of the service you're welcome to go back there and be with those guys they'll be there the whole time for the rest of us let's just all bow right now and have a word unto the lord father thank you for meeting with us as you have in these moments we've needed you we need the good news that you bring and we pray that the good news would impact our heart with hope and optimism and looking toward a better day in a better way. So, God, we also pray for our friends that are not in the room with us today that also need good news. Would you help us, empower us to just simply speak? A bit of good news to them this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.